0: All right, so not all of us will admit it, but we have to. We have to talk. K-pop concerts are of a variable quality. There's a few good high production value events, and most of them are charging AAA prices that sell out, but there are are a lot of, frankly, mediocre shows. K-pop profit margins over time have skyrocketed. As we all know, K-pop has kind of taken over the world. But where is that going? We kind of notice a difference between the quality or the production value of the concerts we see in the videos in Seoul or Japan and the concerts we see here in the U.S. So we really wanted to get into, like, what are we seeing here? What are we feeling here? And why is no one talking about it? This is the K-pop cast, bringing you the best sounds and ideas in K-pop each week. I'm your host, Stephanie, and we have got a full house of guests today to discuss this hot, hot topic. So first, welcoming for the very first time on the show, it is T, a concert production assistant and event planner. T, welcome. Please introduce yourself.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Hello, I'm T. I obviously, as stated, am a concert production assistant and event planner. I've been in the K-pop concert industry for over five years, mainly in the West Coast. And event planning I've been doing since I was in middle school. I'm not going to age myself, but it's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I've attended numerous shows as a fan and also as a worker. But thank you for
0: having me on. Ah, Living the dream. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. And we also have on the show two guests who you've definitely heard on the K-pop cast before. It's Todd and Chris.
2: What's up? Hi, I'm Todd, returning champion. Uh, (laughs) I'm a contributing music writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, covering mostly K-pop and Asian American issues. I've been writing about music and going to concerts and covering shows for most of my professional career. I've also recently reviewed local concerts in San Francisco by Stray Kids and TXT for The Chronicle. And my TXT review got a lot of traction, including getting tweeted out by Big Hit Music to their 21 million followers.
0: (gasps) Congrats.
2: This is following up on the Twice review, which got tweeted out by JYP Mm. to their millions of followers as well. So I'm two for two. I got two more to go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you're you're a celebrity for sure. We are so honored to have you. <laughs> and then Chris, what's going yes. on?
3: Hello. Thank you for having me back. I'm Chris. Um, I am a huge pop music lover, and I actually worked in the music business for many years at a major American record label and am now the host of CCTV, the nonstop pop show podcast. And I'm very excited to talk about all of this today.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Um, just like before the show, I was checking out the outline. Usually when we invite guests, we send them our rough outline and so they can review and get comfortable with the material. I looked and our outline had grown like... Five times the length because our illustrious guests, Chris, Todd, T, had added so much uh, great discussion material, great research, talking about K pop concerts all over the world. So um, you're in for a really deep, fun, wide ranging discussion. But before we dive in, don't forget to join the K pop cast community on Slack and sign up for hard hitting editorial on our newsletter. Links to those in the episode description. <laughs> Okay, so diving in, I did a little bit of research here to find what people are saying online in the K-pop community about concerts that they found a little underwhelming or disappointing, (laughs) okay? And so just a couple of examples to see the discussion. And again, all of this is subjective. It's not necessarily my personal opinion. These are comments in the Twitter sphere and Reddit and all of that. But I'm just gonna dive in here. Someone saw a Shiny concert in the US and said that because I was so used to seeing concerts in Seoul and Japan, which were high production concerts with big stages, and that's what I was hoping for, this was a concert that seemed like a stage fit for a high school auditorium. Someone who saw Blackpink in Toronto said, it felt like they just kind of followed the set list and called it a day. And the whole concert was finished in an hour and 10 minutes, which was underwhelming. And then I read a lot about this event called K-pop flex in Europe that had high ticket prices, lack of communication about stage times, three hour lines for food, no merch, just like the list goes on and on about how that event was misproduced or mishandled. So those are just a couple of other examples are there others that that you, the guests, are willing to willing to share on the show?
1: Ooh, I think one big one that everyone knows is the TGM nightmare for BTS back in was it twenty fifteen. That that was that was something. I attended as a fan. I almost got punched in the face by oh, a security no. guard. <laughs> um. And it was because he told me to go in one line, and then he grabbed me and put me in another line. And then when I said, "Don't grab me," he swung at me. <gasps> <laughs> um and like there was people sneaking in. There was no bag check. it was It was a whole thing. That was just San Francisco
0: Mm-mm, San if Francisco..
1: You it, if you heard about the rest of it, I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry that happened to you at a at a BTS show. No, pe- people are not really talking about this, but we, we have to. We should. Would really love to hear from those of you who have attended or covered many, many K-pop concerts. Would you say that there's different archetypes or types of K-pop concerts? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking there's a minimum viable product of a concert. And then there's a big budget one. But like, if you've gone to a lot then what are the different types and what, what's the most common type of show in terms of like level of production value? Uh, Todd?
2: They seem to fall into a couple of uh, categories that I've noticed. The first one I saw was NCT 127, and that was, I believe it's in 2019. So I'm still new to the game on these things, but I can tell if it's like an up and coming group or you know, about to blow, they'll probably put them on a tour with uh, minimal stage, maybe some LED screens in the back, and uh, there's no band; they're, they're they're singing to a backing track. If they're, you know, for the most part, to their credit, NCT One Two Seven did have a stage like a. So there are different levels you could see them on, but if I can remember other shows, it was very much similar to a college talent show mm. or, or a county fair performance, where of yeah. a, a pop star or a country star would get up there, maybe. Maybe they didn't have a guitar or anything, but they would just go in there and sing their songs to a backing track and a vocal-assisted track. Mm-hmm. And this is this is a style of performance that we've come to take as normal. And it's usually because labels don't want to invest too much early on in a group and throw them on the road with a with a few huge band and you know, and plus mm-hmm. all the the amateurish, you know, they're not professionals yet. So, they don't trust the vocal all the way through. So, they're <laughs> going to have them perform to a track they know it's not going to fail unless some electronic disorder happens, similar to like what happened to Millie Vanelli, who lip synced all their shows and mm. no one really cared. they had a good time until the death actually started skipping and they had to, like, they were so embarrassed they ran off stage and they all, ah. they didn't really recover. Um, <laughs> But to me, that's sort of like the archetype. And also, you see the choreo, and it's so similar to what they do in the video and in their rehearsal space that they're only focusing one on camera one. Mm. And so everything is like directed at camera one, where if you're on the sides, this happened at TXT, was so compact and length and vertical. Some people, you can really see what was going on, like half the show. Maybe not half the show, but for most of the show, if you want to see them how they perform their choreo, they need to scale that up, like outwards, make it bigger, make it horizontal instead of vertical. But instead that's what they know or that's what they're, they're trained to do. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one thing I like to see differentiate themselves when they go on tour.
3: Yes, I, I completely agree. I think, you know, even if you go way back in time, production wasn't really a thing, right? So it makes sense. Like, if you don't, if you're a small group, you know, you don't have the money to put on a huge show in a tiny theater. So that's understandable. But if you go back in time, you didn't need all the lights and the effects and the screens. It was about stage presence and performance skill. Can you get up on stage and convince this group that may or may not love you to love you? right? And I think the bigger issue is, with these K-pop performances, they kind of just get up there and they kind of just know that the fans are really just excited to see them. Mm. You know, they don't really have that huge an expectation of an amazing show. So they're not going in there with an expectation to impress. Mm. So I think that's kind of what holds the whole thing back.
0: Ooh, that's huge. That's huge. Thank you for going there, Chris. Just to follow up on that, like... I think this ties into why we don't see much discussion online or among fans about uh, shows that were more disappointing or mediocre. Like, it was really hard for me to find that. And I think there's this sense that we as international fans or American fans should be grateful just for the chance to see in person Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. an idol, any idol, any time, any place. Right. And that if we if we say or if we have different expectations, then it's just gonna be ripped out from under us, right? And we're never gonna see the idol again. Um, does that resonate? Like I, I'm just curious why why we're not talking about this.
1: I I mean, I'll add in the point in like the planning sense, but also from since I, you know, I'm a K pop fan and I have plenty of friends all around the world that our stands, there are some people that I know, even if they don't know the group, they will go because it's K-pop. Mm. And it's like, there's no K-pop in my city or my country or whatever, but this one group's coming. So yep. I have to go. And it's like, you know, if there's seats available, go do it. Nobody's stopping you. No one's, no one's policing your wallet. But to me, but maybe that's because also I live in California. We're kind of mm-hmm. spoiled over here. Yep. I wouldn't want to take the seat away from, you know, somebody that would really want to go. Or there's just like different factors of like, do I want to go to a show and I don't know what's going on? Especially if there's like an inside joke between the fans and the artists. Because I think that's the other thing too that I've noticed from US shows that I've attended versus K-pop shows is there's a different type of connection. So then when... Idols make a joke that maybe happened on v Live or Instagram nowadays. The fans are in on it. They understand why so-and-so is called something. But then with a lot of, I want to say, just more larger Western artists, mm-hmm. they'll have their talking moments. But it's kind of like, you're here to watch me do this big, grand thing. I'm not here to tell you jokes. So I think it's the personable part of the show that fans go for which is why we have so many talking points where the idols just stand there and speak to us for 10, 20, 30 minutes. Or there'll be those moments where we're just watching a video of them while they're changing backstage. <laughs> like people are screaming when they see their fave, even if it's just their fave
0: <laughs> staring at the camera. An image on the screen, yeah. Like
1: all they're doing is stare. I mean, they look great, but all they're sure. doing is at the camera. Um, but yeah, I think there's just that If you're from somewhere that's kind of spoiled I'll use LA as an example No shade to LA but they get a lot of shows You can pick and choose You can be like oh I know my faves are going to come out here But if you're somewhere You know maybe an idol Has gone there once You're going to go because it's K-pop Now when it comes to like Types of shows playing off of more what Was said previously By both Todd and Chris I think Not trying to reveal too much (laughs) But it is in the hands of the company that owns the group. The label, yeah. Yeah, the label. As much as, you know, concert production companies are like, hey, let's do this, it ultimately falls on the label. You know, I've tried to fight tooth and nail because I am a fan. I understand how it feels when you do that high touch that you paid like almost $300 for and it's just a high five for a split second. Mm. I've tried to fight as a manager and be like, can they just... Two hands. (laughs) Two seconds. Like, put a hello in there. And the company's like, no, we got to get through 300 people. And it's like, but these people paid so much money. They look so pretty, so cute. They dressed up. They came out. And the label just says, no.
0: Not my problem.
1: (laughs) Yeah, not my problem. They spent that much money. So there's a multitude of factors where the label kind of stunts the group and the show. And it makes sense sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm.
3: yeah interesting i also do want to say going back to actual performance aspect of it you know we mentioned that you know the performances they're just doing the same choreography to the same you know recorded track that we know yes. and they don't have time to rehearse you know you look at these mm-hmm. western artists they'll take 2 months out of their schedule to just do rehearsal and for they a will tour. have Right. And they will have yeah. been planning the music direction, the creative aspects of everything a year before that. And that's not, th- I don't think that's really happening from my understanding in the K-pop labels. It really is just, okay, do all the title tracks. Let's throw in these B-sides, you know, that we know the fans like. And for most of them, you can kind of just stand there and jump around and sing them and the fans will just be happy that <laughs> you're singing it. Right? So the standard just isn't there, honestly, from the fans. It, they are really are just excited that they even took the time to come right so
1: and i want to add just you know some tea i guess yes Um, tea from tea (laughs) compared to pre-pandemic idols would get a bit more leeway in time because it would be kind of in the investment you know, planning of the company that we want them to do a tour. So the idols could prepare like, okay, we're going to do a solo stage. We're going to do a cover. We're going to do this. So it's like, Mm -hmm. there are certain parts that they prep, but then now I feel like it's common knowledge. Everyone can see it, but every single company's playing catch up because they're like, my group blew up over this two year pandemic. Let's go to America. The moment they're done with this comeback, we're going to go here. We're going to go there. And it's like, you're not giving these idols time to even, you know, they don't have to learn English, but even learn how to say, hey, I'm so-and-so in English. You know, mm. you're not giving them even time to process what city they're in because, you know, they might have <laughs> a stop back to back to back. And then we get issues where, you know, they're like, hey, just an example. I'm not any idols but just sure. an example it's happened a few times where they're like hey what's up San Francisco Uh-oh. you're in San Jose you're oh. in
0: Oakland
1: you're in Berkeley you <laughs> yeah. are not near San Francisco you know? <laughs> or it's like they're like what's up LA you're in Anaheim <laughs> like oh. you know it's it not does.
2: endemic to K-pop though that happens all the time yeah, Ooh, rock, yeah. Rock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you're not giving these idols a moment to you're giving yeah. them a day in between stops to That's process real. travel and it's like Especially hopping off a plane from Korea and then what their their first show is like two days after. That's not possible. Mm. So these companies are playing this weird type of catch up that like, yeah, sure, bring them here. But also let the fans wallet chill. Like my wallet can only oh, take some no. <laughs> but also it's like eventually certain shows fans are going to get burnt out they're going to be like oh i have to see and hype in the 80s and i have to go to card and i have to go to this and it's like then there's going to be shows overlapping and mm-hmm. you know people are going to give up one group for the other and it's like these companies need to at least communicate with each other like not not the production companies the labels
2: <laughs> mm. i do remember seeing um nct 127 again when they played a christmas show for a more pop radio station I mean, Lizzo was the headliner, and then they had teased NCT the entire night, saying, coming up, we got NCT 127, and, you know, (laughs) they kept their fans there the entire evening for what was ultimately a three or four-song set. No! Hmm. Of just them on stage, with the white light, no no screens or nothing. Are you kidding me? It was pretty ridiculous, (laughs) and I felt really bad for him because... They absolutely dragged the fans through the entire eight group thing of kind of okay to middle to Lizzo, who's awesome, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, groups, but they had to perform out there. Basically, like we said, like a county fair. Just put them on stage. Here's you know the mic headsets. There's no live no live mics at all unless Mark was addressing the the crowd. But that to me did not make any crossover fans. There, mm-hmm. A lot of people stayed the entire night thinking, wow, why do these kids all have their their uh, light bombs and and they're all screaming? We, I got to stay for at least one or two songs to see what's up. And they saw and went, nah, this ain't it. Mm. And then, they you know, they walked out
0: mm. and
2: thinking like, that's what those kids do. That's what those kids like. Not It wasn't an experience where there was an opportunity for them to present themselves in the way they're supposed to be presented Yeah, it's Mm. interesting.
3: So I I worked at an American record label, so I worked with Western artists. And when we were developing artists, and they would be doing their first performances and their first gigs, we would say, you go out there with two goals. The one goal is, the people there that already know you and are already fans, you make them a bigger fan. And number two, the people in the audience who are not fans, convince them and turn them into fans. Right? And again, this goes back to what I said in the beginning. That need to impress, and I think that comes both from the artists, like the idols themselves, and the label, right? That motivation should be what drives them for these performances. Because that radio show was a great opportunity, right? To to actually get a whole new legion of fans. And they didn't do that because they didn't take the time to figure out all the production and everything. So this, I feel like it's just, there's a missed opportunity. Because I think K-pop is still relatively niche, you know, there's the people who are obsessed with it. And then there are the people who still see it from afar and, and, you know, maybe have only heard some BTS songs and that's it. And nothing is driving them to be convinced. And I think taking them to a concert, other than a few certain artists, most concerts, they probably just leave just kind of being like, all right, you know, but no big opinion changed, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. You bring up a really good point that, you know, setting the intention before the tour of like, we are here to impress And when I think about K-pop and the mission of K-pop and the mission of these labels and what the big CEOs talk about all the time, they want to be taken seriously on the world stage. They want to win a Grammy. They want to impress Americans. Right. That's like what they live and breathe. Right. So there's just such such a disconnect for me of, okay, you you send your artists over here and then you don't do something with an intent to impress. You actually are doing something that appears to me and like T, you kind of uh, hit on this. The intent is to extract as much money for as little effort Mm -hmm. as the fans will accept.
1: And I think the other thing too, is it always falls on whoever the host production company is. Yeah, Because people don't... Nowadays, a lot of fans are seeing it is the label. There are some shortcomings to some production companies. Every company is not perfect. But in the past, it would be like, you know, if group A came and they're under label Z... But then the show wasn't that great. And the production company was kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. The fans are just like, it's the production company's fault. They yes. chose these venues. They chose to do this. They chose mm-hmm. to do that. Because like, I've been in that hard spot where I've had to separate, you know. And it's, it's a little thing, but it goes a long way because people do complain later on. I had to separate friend groups because people didn't listen when I brought up group photos. And I say, get in groups of six. And then they're scrambling for the last second. And then one friend gets left behind because oh. they can't count to six. There's six of you. Why? Let's go. We got to go. We can't wait for you to figure out who's going to stand where for your bias. You know, but then it get it gets put on me or the company I work for because it's like, oh, well, she yelled at me, even though I don't yell, <laughs> but like she yelled at me and I wasn't able to sit with my friends. Well, I told you the rules. You had 20 minutes to get yourself in a group. <laughs> you saw your bias. But I also have to go with what the company says. If the company says, go, 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 I can't do anything about it. If the label is pushing us as a, we're just there to make sure the show happens. Mm. We don't set up the lights. We hire a crew for that. We we just pretty much are like If you've ever done, you know, a homestay, like a study abroad or know people that have, we're the host family. (laughs) We're just the, you know, uncle, cousin, aunt that brings you over here, goes, here's some food, go say hi to your friends. Okay, have fun on your way back to Korea. Like that's all the Mm -hmm. production companies really do is we're... That's
0: that's an important role. I wouldn't say it's it's nothing.
1: It, It is, but then it's like, if... The but you don't
0: have you don't have decision making power yeah okay got it this is yeah it's really interesting i don't think we've ever had uh someone from the production company on the show so it's it's really exciting to get that perspective have you also worked on american artists shows i'm trying to get a compare and contrast here of like did, did the same issues occur across the cultures? i have
1: i personally have not okay but i've had plenty of friends and family who have. I've even, my mother has planned like a big, I won't say what company doing what, but like a company outing that included a lot of American artists. So the thing is, I think it's, it's your home. It's your home country. It's your home. So it's going to be a lot easier to work with who, you know, is local to you versus bringing someone to Korea like My own company that I worked for for many years did not know how big California was until I told them one day, oh, I'm going to drive to L.A. for you guys. Uh, I'll see you in like eight hours. They're like, huh?
0: Huh? Huh? Yeah.
1: Big? And I'm like, yes, California is that big. They're like, it's not like an hour away. I wish. Mm -mm. (laughs) And they're like, how much is gas? Oh. You, you sure you want to reimburse for gas? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the other issue is a lot of companies don't realize, the companies as in the labels, don't realize how big the U.S. is as well. Mm. So when they bring out these groups for tiny shows, they think Chicago, oh, it's a three-hour flight, probably three-hour drive. No. Like a day and a half straight? <laughs> So that's, that's the other issue with planning these shows is the labels stunt the production a lot because there isn't, I guess, like a good amount of research done before coming here. We've brought up TXT in the past. I saw a lot. I I love TXT. I saw a lot of MOAs complaining. These venues are too small, which they were, you know, other groups that have come recently. You and Harmony, for example, venue in my opinion was too small. What's the point in selling out if you know the venue is just like a thousand people, maybe two thousand, but you can easily do three, five thousand.
3: Interesting. I, I will just kind of counter that a little bit because from a, a from the labels pr- perspective, from the marketing perspective, it looks really good when you sell out a tour. So yes. you booking out and selling out a small venue. I mean, you know, and you're still making money, right? So it also just adds to the anticipation and it just adds to the success of of what it looks like um, because it never looks good when you book a large venue and you don't sell it out and you have to awkwardly do the block off with the blankets. So um, the TXT, I I went to the TXT concert too. First off, I will say I luckily got to go for free, but the people Mm. around me paid hundreds or even thousands of dollars Mm, to get into that show so yes that show definitely should have been in a bigger venue but i think because those people knew how exclusive it was it kind of even added to how hype everyone was like they felt lucky that they got to be in that room so Mm -hmm. i think that that's just the counter to that i guess
0: that's a good that's that yeah it's, it's a good point to kind of bring us into the ticket sales conversation right is it fair to charge a triple A price, hundreds of dollars for a small venue with no props, lighting, like live band. It, it like what what how, I love how Todd described it, like a college. What do you say? <laughs> a college talent show <laughs> style of performance. Like is the I mean, sure the label wants to sell it out and look good. Is that fair to the fans? charge that much for that experience?
2: I feel like if the they'll charge what the market will bear. Mm, and, mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of these uh, supporters are used to getting gouged on tickets. Similar to you, Chris, I went to TXT and I had to cover it for the Chronicle. So I was covered with my press pass. So I was asking people around me, it's like, how'd you get your tickets? And they said, none of them said that they got them the, the old fashioned way, which mm. is like, you know, they, they went through the thing. It was all through resale. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's so sad because who knows how much they paid on top of what the what the market price was. I mean, Uh it was probably in the thousands easily. And Uh that is I I don't know if it's going to like at some point level out because there's all this demand now because of the last two years, no one's been able to do anything that. Yeah, well, you know, we're going to price these at two twenty five, two fifty, and then, you know, of course, it gets flipped for, you know, three times, eight times as much. Uh-huh. And I'm just waiting for that to see how those the mathematics uh, change, if at all. I doubt it. I doubt it because right now, there everybody's just the labels and are just too spoiled. They know that they have a captive audience. Mm-hmm. They know they have a de- dedicated audience that will go see them by any means necessary. And I don't know, there's got to be somebody that puts their foot down and says, enough of this stuff. There's got to be a more fair way. There's got to be a more equitable way for people to have access to the same seats. That,
1: that's my job <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> um. For what I currently do and what is being planned for certain groups that will be coming, I try to negotiate down. So as you brought up, Chris, selling out small venues, great idea, amazing idea. It's honestly one of the best ideas. But it's also like, how do we convince certain companies to go to certain places that they've never been to before. Because mm-hmm. a lot of companies think New York, Chicago, Texas, California. That's mm-hmm. it. That's where all the K-pop stands live mm-hmm. in the West Coast. Or, well, the West. That, that's where they all live. And it's like, no, there's Canada. There's Mexico. There's Puerto mm-hmm. Rico. There's all these other, you know, and then you have the entirety of Central and South America after that. You guys are forgetting. And it's like, Yes, it costs money for the staff, for both the label and the production company. Obviously, it costs money for the idols, the visas, the flights, the venues and all that. But where does it become ridiculous for certain companies? Because if you're going to sell out a certain tour, let's use Twice or even Stray Kids because they did very similar venues, that was easy money. They sold out, you know, so it's a, it's an arena tour But then when you're putting in, I'm not trying to throw shade to certain companies I haven't worked with, but Mm -hmm. when you're working with group A and you put them in a small venue, that's like 2000 seats. And you say high touch is $200, not including taxes and fees. Why are you pricing a high five for $200, especially when I have to wait in line for over 12 hours? high touch if, if it's gonna be anything like that maybe 120 because obviously I'm gonna be in the front or near the front. The more expensive ticket and this comes into where like line management and all that for venues and staffing tours and everything just becomes very complex people that pay the most should be in the front but that obviously doesn't include resale. Um, the resale issues I think companies this is me having a membership for certain groups that I like, use our membership. I didn't pay X amount of money for a year membership if all I'm going to get is bonus content on your platform. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you if the Korean fans, fans in Japan, other countries in Asia can use that membership to get exclusive access and truly exclusive access to ticket sales, it's not that hard to have it over here. They failed to do that for TXT they're probably going to fail to do it for an hyphen because the Ticketmaster site does that stupid platinum
0: whatever.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: that has never worked for me. Uh,
1: yeah. Oh, and
3: the surge pricing. The surge pricing oh, is the yeah. worst now. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and they, they try to say it's based off of market. Like, <sighs> no, as much as I love whoever, I am not paying $6,000 <laughs> <laughs> to be fifth row. <laughs> No, <laughs> you cannot convince me to do that. So I think it's like if companies are going to give us these memberships as fans, use it. It's not hard. It should
0: be worth something real. Also,
1: don't use Ticketmaster. I know some <laughs> venues we uh, have to use Ticketmaster, but. If yeah, we remember-
0: haven't even talked about Ticketmaster <laughs> and just like.
1: <laughs> uh, no, I have
0: this. They're a monster.
1: I have this whole thing. It, it hurt my feelings little tangent i was picking up people from the red hot chili peppers concert because i do uber on the side and i overhear one of them say yeah we got our floor seats for like 200 dollars." and i'm like i had someone yell at me <laughs> when i was working a tour recently a k-pop concert that she spent four thousand dollars on the same seat for that k-pop concert mm. both were resale that does not mm. make sense to me and they both said it was that platinum Ticket resale, whatever. So it's like, why is Ticketmaster or and also just the K-pop companies, the labels, accepting that that platinum, whatever? That's an empty seat if somebody doesn't take it, and it's going to look really embarrassing.
3: The unfortunate thing, though, is that that woman did pay four thousand dollars for True. that seat, right? So that that's the problem: is people are complaining about it, but they're still willing to do it. So on the the company's end, they're just like, great. We can $4,000. got the Someone's money. We don't, they don't care if they complain, right? So that's the unfortunate aspect of it is that the fans are, are just spending all their money, you know, and they're willing to do it still, at least right now.
1: Yeah, the the ticketing scale, whatever these companies are on right now, there's certain companies that only see money. I'm not throwing shade. If you guys want to guess, you can guess.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, there's other companies where it's like, you know, you learn with whatever group you're working with. Some groups you're going to price higher because it's either a bigger venue, a bigger production, or you're offering more. You know, you're not offering just a high touch and a group photo. You're offering a fan sign, a sound check, and all that other stuff, which I love that groups are getting into doing that because they really limited us before the pandemic. But there is a large event that happens every year. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not gonna say what event. Mm-hmm. I think we all know what it is
0: um, coming up soon, and oh,
1: very soon. And they've introduced certain packages, and you know, fans buy it because they're expecting one thing, and they read that fine print too to make sure that they're getting that one thing. The last minute things change. Yep. So you spend every year. Yeah. 2000 some dollars for what, for honestly what? And then they trick.
0: And there's family. no recourse, right? There's, there there's nothing that. the individual can do. Wait yeah. till next year.
1: And yeah. I'll give an example that happened to a friend of mine. They technically kind of sort of fell victim to it. Not really. I, I won't go into how they got their ticket, but they got that, that high, high premium ticket before the pandemic. The promised perks, it was very, very mediocre, for lack of better words. Of like, we're gonna show you guys this. And then it was like try not to out people, but (laughs) we're gonna show you guys what this room looks like. And it was like, the door is closed. That's a great door (laughs) that I, you know, a certain amount of money to see. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's great. I can look into the corner of that room and then they're supposed to get these exclusive, you get to meet so-and-so, but we didn't tell you who so-and-so was. So now it's a group that not too many people know or mm-hmm. a big fan of. And it's that awkward moment of these people spent thousands of dollars thinking that they're going to meet their favorite group, or at least, you know, I love my rookies. I love my new goose, but you know, they're met with the group they all don't right. at all
0: this kind of example chris is this something that the music labels would plan like on purpose or is it out of (laughs) you know but you know i'm just gonna ask i I,
3: i'm gonna say with these kind of big concerts where there are multiple artists i think there's a lot more to that dynamic because it could be I, I could see it in a way where, for example, if it was like BTS and N or something back when, right? Back when Hype was still really small, they might they might do that to try and just like push Enhypen hype to the mm. front, right, and try to appeal to the BTS fans. But a lot of a lot of these big shows, they have artists from all different labels, mm-hmm. who, and they might not even really be talking. So I don't I don't think that that would be something they would plan together like that. I think that's more of a Unfortunately, that company may be just making promises that they didn't actually have set in stone with these labels. Mm. Yeah,
1: It's also a lot of that company (laughs) Um, when it comes to this big event. They Mm -hmm. rely a lot on, well, we said you're going to meet a group, we just didn't say who. And it's (sighs) like, okay, but could you at least just like
0: yeah, that's Not, disingenuous.
1: You know, can you give me like a hint? Say like it's going to be a rookie group. Okay, then I can mentally prepare myself. It's going to be a rookie group. If you say it's one of the well, headliner- if they want
0: to make as much money as possible. True. <laughs> <laughs> so I get with the program here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so ra- just wrapping up, coming back around to what are examples of K-pop shows we were really impressed by. What are some elements that were included in those really great shows? Maybe I'll start with Todd. Sure.
2: You know, the, I was just thinking about the Montgomery Theater show by Golden Child mm. that just happened. The capacity for Montgomery Theater is 468, which is minuscule. It looks Tiny. like looks like a small. It's basically like community theater, and I feel like to go from there to say Coachella, where Blackpink showed up in 2019, is a good example of point A to point B. If this genre, I I usually call it a genre because I'm used to it, because hip hop's a genre to me, it's a culture as well, but K-pop, the music genre, if it wants to expand globally, it needs to scale up. Mm. And Blackpink show 2019 is a good example of this, of scaling up, where they did not do the typical mics and, and backing track. They brought out a whole band. They had the fire pots going. Yes. And what happened? Fire pots. Totally, <laughs> totally blew up, made them a huge name on, you know, in the international pop scene. Yep. Similarly to that, I would point to recently Straight Kids' new latest tour, the Maniac Tour. Huge production value. Again consistently a, a band playing with him for the mm-hmm. half the show until you go to Hobie Palooza and J-Hope and 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 TXT shows over it at, at in um at uh, Lollapalooza similar they understand the stakes the stakes are super high and they brought all the bells and whistles and they just tore it up to me those are the ones that are going to be that's going to stick with you and say these guys are ready for it mm. this is the this is the next step this is if they want to be viewed in that same echelon as their heroes as the the Michael Jacksons the Ushers right whoever those are the stakes this, this is what they need to do
3: yes completely agree and i think if you look at michael jackson and all of those artists what i think the biggest difference is that they did with their shows is the music direction it's about the music And I get it. K-pop is a very visual genre. But at the end of the day, a concert is about the music. You need a music director that can change these songs and make them special for this tour, make them interesting. They don't Mm. need to be crazy remixes or anything. They don't need to be brand new versions. But give us a guitar riff. Give us a dance break. You know, give us something special, right? And so I think, yes, you don't necessarily need a band. But I love a band, so I think everyone should tour with a band. I think they Um, should have a band, (laughs) Yeah. And first off, slight tangent, but going way back to 2016, when I saw Infinite, they did a tiny, tiny venue in New York. They could barely all fit on the stage because they had a band behind them. Mm. But wow, the arrangements, they were so electrifying. Just having live drums, a live guitar, it really does make a huge difference. And so I think that's the big thing is you need a real theme to the show musically. The music should be the number one thing. And then on top of that, I know we've been talking a lot about the labels and the companies and everything. But honestly, the artists, obviously, they're the ones performing. So a lot of it is on them, too. And I'm going to be honest, having seen a lot of K-pop shows just this year, they need to step it up, like, in general. Mm. In general. And I know I may get a lot of hate for that. But K-pop has become even more reliant on the choreography now. It's gotten way harder, and they, as we said, they just kind of do the same choreography and everything. Yeah. But the problem with that is then they don't develop a natural charisma and that stage presence, right? Like when I saw TVXQ at SM Town, oh. I didn't really know them I didn't really know them that well, but they just stood on stage and you could feel their mm. power, their presence. And I can't say I' felt that with many artists recently. Oh my God, that's Um, like when
0: I saw Rain perform in Las Vegas. He could just stand there and look and smolder, (laughs) you know?
3: Yes, (laughs) and
0: that's what Michael Jackson
3: has, right? That's what Beyonce has, that's what Lady Gaga has. That's what all of these, you know, global superstars have. And unfortunately, because they're so focused on the choreography and everything, it's just, yeah, it's just not there. The development is not there for the performance.
0: Yes. Thank you for saying that.
1: I, I also think like when it comes to big production, small production, as much as it obviously falls on the music itself, I also think it it's that connection of fan and artist because there's some groups I've seen, some groups I've seen videos of where it just seems like they're dancing in like a fishbowl. Like they're just, you know, they're doing it as if, they're on their online concert and they can't see the fans anymore. Mm. But when Mm -hmm. you get that personable artist like Stray Kids, I went to, I brought my brother to Twice and, you know, those girls were waving at people in the balcony, even pointing at them and saying, you in this outfit, you know, calling people out. Wow. When I went to Ghost 9. Unheard of. You know, those boys were like, and it was a tiny, tiny venue for Ghost 9. I just went just because I won tickets. I didn't know them that well and they were super sweet pointing at fans saying hello and you know having that connection with the fans and it makes you want to enjoy the show even more because it's like oh they actually care that I'm here watching them it's not just let me do what I've been doing on Ikigayo for the past three weeks you know let me just do what the practice room is there's those moments of like Waving to fans, playing games with fans, you know, if they play rock, paper, scissors or give them a heart in their video and just having that also just taking a break from the song to do that to a fan, you know, take just stopping Mm. that choreo for a split second to be like, oh, that's a funny sign. Let me point and laugh at it and show that fan that it was funny instead of just I'm going to be deadpan, do what I have to do so the company doesn't yell at me later on when I'm backstage. Because mm. there's some groups, I'm not going to, I love all groups equally, but <laughs> there's some groups where I'm like, you look kind of scared to be up there. <laughs> and are, you, are you sure you're, you're ready to, you know, go on tour? If It looks like certain choreo or certain songs or certain staff scares you to death. So I think that's the other thing, too, is when they go on these tours – festivals. They need to have those moments with the audience as well and engage them. Like J-Hope did a great job. When I was watching that live feed, I felt like I was there because he was telling people everywhere with over a hundred thousand people there to like make some noise. I'm not going to say what he actually said, but make some noise. You know, <laughs> well,
0: now we know. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like, he told us to like, even on live stream, go crazy. And it felt like I was there because of his energy and how he was interacting with the audience. So I think that's what makes a show and that's what really like makes spending even a crazy resale price worth it is the artist themselves. If they're going to give me everything, if at the end of the day, they're also like, that was great. shrink Kits Oakland, one of the best shows mm-hmm. I went to because
0: oh, I'm so sad I missed that I'm mm-hmm.
1: hearing. I could not hear for three days after that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a great sign. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for such a deep and broad discussion about concerts across the US and the world. Uh, I learned so much. And yeah, I hope you had as much fun as I did. Why don't we end by having each of you go through and plug your profiles, your links, what you want to share with the K-Popcast listeners? How well, about Chris? Let's start with you.
3: Sure. Yeah. Thanks again for having me check out my podcast, CCTV, the nonstop pop show where we discuss pop music and music business from all across time and the world. Um, and we're on all platforms and also at CCTV pops on all socials.
0: Thank you. How about tea next?
1: For sake of privacy, I'm not really going to plug anything. Um, please continue oh, to thanks. listen to k popcast uh, and support all your artists, wherever you are, go to a show because you never know. I became a ghosty after going to ghost nine. I went to Vanner and became one of their fans too. And I, that was just a a thing. Um, yeah, to go support any artist If you have the opportunity to do so, it doesn't matter if it's K-pop, anything, you'll have fun. Mm -hmm. Have the time of your
0: life.
2: And Todd? Uh, hit me up on the socials, notto Todd at notto Todd N-A-T-T-O-T-O-D-D.
0: Thank you again. You can find me on Twitter at sparker2, and you can tweet all of the K-pop cast team at the K-pop cast. Thanks so much, everyone.